Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. I'm Clay Wright, and I'm super excited to be here with you again as your host. Uh, this week, actually, uh, Pastor Jim is out of town. He's visiting our Dominican Republic campus and Pastor Tito down there. And so uh, if you are listening to this, and uh, would you just uh, send, up, send up a prayer for Pastor Jim? Because uh, I know he's going to be doing a lot of traveling and, and those sorts of things, and he's ministering ministering down there. But in the meantime, I'm super excited for this conversation with my guest, Denver Daniel. So Denver, it's great to have you back on the podcast. I love being here. I see that you're repping out with your Taylor University hat there, Clay. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, so super excited. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I always love any excuse to be able to sit down with you and ask you questions. I feel like, uh, that's been one of my one of my joys as uh, as I was growing up in high school is just getting to pop in your office and ask you questions like, you know, what if what if you know when I was discovering textual criticism, what if it's not you know what if we don't have the exact words and you got to you got to bear with me on a lot. You asked me a, a lot, lot of what ifs questions, but I loved it <laughs> and the, and look what the, how the Lord is using you now. It's just uh, one of the blessings of my life, my friend. Well, okay. So, as, and, and as we as we get into this uh, this conversation, before we get to sort of serious matters, I wanted to I I thought of a question to ask you, which is, you know, how you know there there are some things that you get to do that I will probably never get to do in this life. And one of them is decide uh, what is a snow day and what's not a snow day. And so this <laughs> I, is fabulous. I wanted to ask how do you know, as we're getting into the winter, how what what's what's part of your heuristic there? Like, how do you interpret snow days or maybe like if there was a recent day, you know, that so might come to mind. Uh, yeah, this is hilarious. And so I would encourage anybody just to watch my Twitter feed because I don't do this alone. Uh, and like, so one of the things clay that you may not be aware of is in today's day and age, I have quite a few high school juniors and seniors that will decide to let me know when the snow or forecast looks ominous and that I should include or consider a, a snow day. So gotcha. to, if there would be any of our students listening, just know how much I really appreciate just the <laughs> effort that you do to inform me and keep me at my best. Uh, they're just helping you out. You know, and, and I, absolutely. You know, there's basically two uh, snow days. And I'm teased all the time. Snow days are the things that probably a school administrator despises uh, uh, the most and, and and for the simple reason if you get it right you're still messing with people's lives because right. they're trying to figure out what to do with their kids on a, yep. a day. Uh, and if you get it wrong, um, you're messing with people's lives and having used poor judgment. And so it's always just, uh, just trying to really discern. And there's really two factors around Northeast Ohio that determines a snow day. How cold is it mm -hmm. and how much the snow flies and important clay, not just how much the 
snow flies when it's yeah. all about yeah. timing. So that's, uh, <laughs> no. and, but it is a lot. It's always a lot of fun um, coming in Northeast Ohio. Little side note, and I know that we're going to get serious in a moment, but I was in Florida in October. Okay. And uh, my wife and I were uh, at a store. There was a hurricane coming in. Yeah. They were closing the store. But the one thing that I was fascinated with that whole week is how the school districts down there were <laughs> dealing with whether or not they should have a hurricane day or, or not. So wow. it was, uh, yeah. So it, <laughs> even though we've never had any hurricane days, Everything was looking very much the same. Late start. Some schools were closing. So sure, sure. every region That's of the so country funny. has their own thing, I guess. Well, and what's funny about that? So, so my dad, uh, who you know, um, he grew up in Buffalo, New York, and in, in that area, and so he they would get just dumped snow. I mean feet and feet of snow and so i remember growing up we would get snow days sometimes and my dad would be like what in the world is going on you know because in in his day you know you're you're digging your car out of six feet of snow and still getting to school or whatever it would be but yeah and he actually liked buffalo which is right yeah, so yeah and still does <laughs> yeah so but uh what what's funny about snow days is i for me as a kid they were some of the most exciting days uh, and since I've become a parent for the first time in my life, just re like the last couple of weeks, I've thought to myself, how does like, wait, wait, if, so if there's a snow day and you know, joy works part-time, she stays home part-time. I'm like, if it was, a, if it was a Wednesday and I was at work all day and joy was at work all day, how, what happens? What, how did the <laughs> <laughs> watches the kids welcome, welcome to the world of parenting friend it is it, it, that is a very all kidding aside that is a very real issue for yeah. our families because they are they are a, everybody loves the joy that a kid has with mm -hmm. a snow day but trying to figure out who is watching uh that little guy or that little girl that yeah. is that's a challenge and especially when they are young like the age that you have you know yeah. so yeah well and my my kids are not of school age yet but i'm we'll get there and we'll figure it out along that we've done a lot of figuring out in the last three months. I'm so. sure. Yeah. You signed up for a lifetime uh, of yeah. that. So. And one of the things, just to segue in, one of the things that I've loved uh, recently is uh, being in a series that's really applicable to parenting. And so, you know, we're here, yes, to have a conversation, but we also are continuing a conversation that, that we've been having as a church, as we're going through Luke chapter two and looking at uh, the gospel of Luke, which includes more sort of vignettes or, or, or images or pictures of Jesus growing up and, and how he was parented. There's still not a whole lot there, you know, maybe not as much as we might like. Um, but there's, there's enough to get sort of a sense and, and to be able to dial in on it and sure. ask bigger questions about how the Bible guides us as parents. And so we're, we're talking about, uh, discipling the next generation. That's the name of this series. And so if you're listening to the podcast, you may be wondering, you know, how is this all fitting together with this? You know, we're looking at the book of Luke. We're talking about discipling the next generation and Clay's got Denver Daniel on the podcast. 
Well, let me connect the dots for you. Denver, you're the president of a Christian school and um, you care deeply about discipling the next generation. And so I'm super, I, I mean, I, I'm so jealous for our church of this conversation because I know your heart for the next generation and, and how that has um, been stamped into everything that you guys do at Open Door Christian School. And so I, I really, for the first little bit of time that we get, I want to open up that question, you know, as, as we've been talking as a church about the role of parenting and developing God-centered children, which is that's kind of one of our programmatic statements that we've developed as we've been looking at uh, the text and, and all those sorts of things. We're trying to develop God-centered children. What, how does that mesh with, not mesh with, go perfectly with, not go perfectly with? Like, t tell us about the, the mission of Open Door Christian School and how does that, how do these things play together? I love it so much. And you are absolutely right. Uh, you, know, you know, you spend so much of your life, even when you're, it, for me, when I was in my 40s, about like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Uh, <laughs> who I want to be is first and foremost a Christ follower that loves, uh, loves our Lord, loves my wife, loves mm. my now adult children. Uh, but the Lord truly just has given me a passion for students yeah. and and watching them come to faith watching them grow in faith um, and I always say about our school uh, that you know, our goal at the end of the day is that we want our students to uh, be active servants of the Lord after their time with us yeah. uh, has concluded. So that's just a, a very strong passion of mine. As far as the mission of our school, um, our mission, and it fits right along with the series, is mm. equipping disciples through exemplary education. Yeah. So we we have, and, and those words are very, there's only five of them, but they're very intentional. We want to sure. equip and resource young men and women. We pray that they will have a saving faith in Christ. And we want to do that through the educational process, which the reason why that is so important is it's just not that at a Christian education is not just about let's have some Christian times. Mm -hmm. What we're really trying to show is that the whole of our lives including our education should yeah. be Christ centered and uh, that what way we believe that God is true and that he has something to say about truth. Um, and so our education is always uh, trying to guide us to what does God have to say about a particular content yeah. and also how can we use what we know to glorify and serve him. Yeah, I love that you bring that up. And it's it's funny that you mentioned my Taylor University hat earlier because a lot of these themes that you're just talking about, about how, you know, it's not Christian education doesn't mean education plus a Bible class. For sure. It's it's and this is, you know, when I went to Taylor, they made you take a introduction to the Christian liberal arts class and. I mean, me going into Taylor, all I knew about liberal arts is, was it is that I knew I was going to have some more and maybe more interesting gen eds like that's I didn't really grasp what that meant. And so I'm actually really glad they make everybody takes this take this class that talks about how there, there there's more to Christianity and there's more to a biblical worldview than just adding in the Bible. 
and that it's 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 a way of interacting with everything and so it's you know your your science class changes because you're doing it with respect to the god of the universe uh your your literature class changes because you're doing it with respect to the god of the universe your math class changes so on and so forth and so it's it's this thoroughgoing approach um so why i guess there's so many fun questions that you can ask about education um because it's been interesting to me like my education has been so formative i mean there's there's a lot of things that formed me as i was growing up education is certainly one of them uh, but that's not something that we have observed in sort of like you know we, we looked at god you know seven aspects of how god sort of parented israel and and there's aspects of training and teaching in that, but that was all talked about within the context of a family. So I don't know, like, can you tell, uh, like, bring me into a little bit? Why, why does Christian education exist? Out, like, why does that happen outside of the family? And how does that work? Like, how do we get yeah, to a place so, <laughs> like we're at today? So, And that is one loaded question that our <laughs> podcast would never have the opportunity to fully capture. But I, I can try a little bit. Sure. Um, so let's uh, let's really unpack something that you just said related to uh, why does Christian education exist? Um, and if if parenting and education is supposed to be on the home front, why, why does it exist and sure. or so forth? And I, I know I didn't quite capture it the way that you asked, but uh, so I'll first and foremost start that Christian education I, I, I should not be at the expense of the responsibility of the Christian family. Right. The, uh, the mom and dad have a responsibility to educate their, uh, their son or daughter. And we educate, and I, I think this is something that gets lost a lot. Hmm. Education has an end. Yeah. You know? And so education isn't only about, I'm going to teach you how to add. I'm going to teach you how to read. I'm going to teach you how to do something. It's do something for what? Why are you doing it? What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. And, and all, any good education We'll get to the why. Why do we do what we do? Uh, and so the beautiful thing about our worldview, being a, being a Christ follower, is we have the why. There, there's two great commands uh, that Scripture uh, records. Love God with all you have, uh, your mind, heart, soul, strength. You see that in the Old Testament. You see it jump into the new with Jesus' right. own words. And then you see the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And you say, and while that sounds really general and it's like, what does that have to do with a math class and more on that in just a moment, (laughs) if we recognize first and foremost, that as parents, that we have the job as Christian parents to be educating constantly our children to that truth, to love God with all they have to love our neighbor as yourself, which means it's not a compartmentalized endeavor. It's a whole life endeavor. Right. Right. Which then means that when I go into a math class that I'm learning about uh, math towards the end of how can I use that content? How can I use that knowledge to love the Lord the best that I can to give him glory 
and to love uh, my neighbor. Now, where we come into play is that not everyone can teach their student, son or daughter math. Not everyone sure. can, uh, can teach their son or daughter social studies. So we come alongside uh, the Christian parent towards the end of educating them to those truths. Uh, we, we like to say a little tagline of ours is equipping disciples, redeeming culture. So we're going to come alongside the Christian family and we're going to equip them with content through the educational process so towards the end, it, that they would use that to redeem culture. So they would use, uh, and really it boils down the last time that we talked, it was about stewardship. Yeah. And so we're teaching our, uh, our students to be stewards. We've been licensed or commissioned. And I'll, I would just pause uh, to say this is a radically different approach in education that you're seeing today. We've been licensed and commissioned by parents in a Christian education environment to partner with them. I, I say all the time about that relationship, we supplement uh, their parenting. We don't supplant it. Yeah. Where you see in other educational systems, that's not the case today, is that sometimes educational systems are coming in and saying, uh, believing that the parents don't know what's best the school system or the uh, the educational system does that's not our uh, that's not a christian educator's approach mm. especially in a discipleship type of school environment yeah the word of god is what we use as the basis to launch forward we recognize the parents have been commissioned with the greatest responsibility that they'll ever have yeah and we are privileged to come alongside of the parent and partner with them towards helping their son or daughter to love god with all they have and to love their neighbor as their self yeah Man, that's so beautiful. And I, I, I mean, and I, I love your heart and the heart of the school in, in wanting to be an equipper and a supporter and not an enabler because it's so, there's so many, I, I feel like there's so many temptations and so many opportunities as a young parent to outsource and, and to just give away the influence that I have to other things, whether that's cocoa melon. I mean, it just like, if I, if I knew I could hit one button and the kid would stop crying rather than sitting with them in it, you know I mean? And, and there are times where I hit the button. There are times when I don't. Right. And, um, but it's, there's so many forces and I'm sure as you get older, that just increases. It would be my guess of opportunities to hand away the keys or hand away the responsibility of parenting. Um, but your goal is to help give the keys back to the parents. <laughs> Say, no, 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 For let's sure. do this. You know, we want to support you in this. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the coolest aspects of being an educator from what I've heard from my educator friends is how much time you get with students. You know, there, I remember there were, there were weeks in high school where I spent more time at the school building than I did at home because of sports and extracurriculars and things like that. Like literally spent more hours of that week in the building. Yeah. So and, clay. and so like, how do you like, how, how does that, how do you see that relationship working well when such a significant amount of time 
is invested at school and in education. Yeah. So, how, yeah. How do you partner yeah, with families? So, yeah, well, there's, and, uh, you, there's some statistics. I haven't seen them, uh, recently, but I know that as of just a couple of years ago, the average time, uh, you're, you're a new dad, uh, <laughs> and, but average time that a father spends with their children on a daily basis. What do you think that is? Oh, I, I average time on a daily basis. Yeah. I would guess it probably is not, certainly not over f- five hours, not over five hours, <laughs> 15 minutes. No way. 15 minutes. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and so I say that just to kind of accentuate your point, like what, mm. as kids start growing up and the demands of school and then the, the real of life, um, uh, there, it, time is at a premium at time uh, to make sure are we, do we even have the capacity? I mean, it, probably some people listening here, I, I, they're listening as on their drive to work or yeah. as they're traveling. It gets very difficult. And then as your kids start growing up and they get into more activities and different things, time definitely is at a premium. So your question as far as, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you partner? How do you invest? I, and you talked even before that question about how, how does a parent, uh, you know, never loses their res- sense of responsibility? And so let's start right there first yeah. and recognize that uh, and kind of just uh, as a foundational statement that we never as parents have uh, have permission to divorce our responsibility. Mm-hmm. The Lord commissions us to do this. We are stewards of those children and the gift that he has given us. And what a joy it is to be a parent. Not all the time when they're crying, (laughs) but uh, but there's just joy in parenting. And then from that, recognizing we have a charge that's been given to us. How can we uh, make sure that our, uh, we truly are discipling our kids to love the Lord with all their heart, to treat and recognize people as uh, made in his image and and share uh, share God's love with uh, others? Those, that's our charge. So we have this responsibility. We know that because of life demands yeah. that we're... Uh, we are, and most people choose to uh, give uh, give the responsibility. I shouldn't say responsibility, but partner with the responsibility with an educational system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is so critically important that the parent, first and foremost, understands who that they are giving some of their authority to. Yeah. So, uh, Clay, when I see uh, your little ones uh, prayerfully walking <laughs> the halls of Open Door Christian Schools, and I, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but in all I never, ever, number one, want you to think that you've given me all of the authority yeah. with yours uh, because I haven't. Mm hmm. Um, but I also want you with scrutiny to recognize that. I have this authority to raise my kids well. Who am I going to partner with and in some ways give some of that authority to? Sure. 
are they loving the Lord uh, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength are striving to do that? Are they, am I confident that if I'm giving them six to eight hours of that, they are going to teach my, uh, my son or daughter to truly be of a mindset of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Sure. Yeah. And so I think as we unpack the how or the why, I think it's just so critically important that the parent recognizes what their responsibility is, what their charge is in that, who they're actually entrusting to partner with them. And then the flip is equally true for me. God forbid that I walk any day of the week thinking that I somehow have the keys to parenting Clay Wright's children. Right. I'm, right. I'm going to partner with you. And what that looks like, the tangible evidence of that is communication, mm. how I'm communicating with you, how that I'm engaging you. A beautiful thing about Christian education is just not utilitarian. We're just not teaching a skill. We're actually teaching, you know, if I see, you know, if I say, and this happened, Clay, as I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at you, uh, if, if there was ever a time where I would, uh, Clay Wright popped into my office and just wanted to talk. Mm-hmm. It was very common for me to make follow-up phone call to mom or dad and say, hey, so love your guy. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I think maybe you need it. You may want to just press into this at the home front a little bit. It's a partnership yeah. towards uh, towards what we pray will be someone loving uh, loving Jesus with all they have. Yeah, man, that's, that's so cool. I just, I mean, it's something I can appreciate in a new way now being a parent because I mean, it is, it is a, a a wild task. And so joy, my wife, um, she was homeschooled up until high school and you know, her mom took very seriously just wanting to do as much education in the home as she possibly could, which is, I mean, that's super admirable. Um, but just the realities of life, joy and I probably won't have the capacity to do that. And so it's, and even then, you know, I go back and forth about like, I mean, this is such a hot button thing. It's like, you know, where, how do you, how do you, what's the best way? I don't know that there's, Obviously, I'm a product of Christian education, so I'm partial to that and just appreciate the role that that's had in my life. But um, and I'm not right. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, and so, I, you know, just to I always, you know, and, and I'll say this to anybody listening that's already getting a little sensitive is you just going to give a, a commercial for Christian education. Sure, so sure. Let, let me let me say it maybe like this as parents. As Christian parents, you have uh, you have a responsibility to educate your child with a Christian perspective. Period. You, that's we're on the hook for that. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, um, and, and Scripture is does not say what is the venue or the approach that we should embrace in doing that. Obviously, um, after 30 years of education, 20 in a public system and the last 10 in Christian ed, I, I obviously have my preference, (laughs) Uh, you know, but with that, I'm always cautious to say it's, 
every system has some pros and cons to it. Sure. The job of the Christian parent is to know what the scorecard is Mm. and not and to make sure that you're just not giving away your license to lead. And and that's really, really important. And I'll even say say this, and I don't want to get too uh, off track, but sometimes I hear people say, and a legitimate concern is that if you're in Christian education, uh, you're always around Christian kids or Christian and like, are you in this bubble? Sure. Uh, so the first thing that I would say to that is, and you know this, you lived it, not, not all students, Christian education is not a recipe of salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws people, right. uh, students, uh, and come to Christ. Sometimes they come to Christ when they're 40. I mean, there's no guarantee. So sometimes Christian parents think that like Christian education is the secret sauce to salvation. That's just anyone that's ever experienced Christian education knows that that really is not the case yeah the other thing that i hear is a concern though well what about evangelism i want my student uh, my son or daughter to be in a school where they can evangelize or they can minister to uh, people that don't know jesus sure that can sound very attractive and, and and can have some merit and certainly there is some merit to that however there's some things that if that would be where you really feel like the lord is leading you you also need to be aware of you know our christian ethic is we teach about uh, our sons and daughters having respect for authority well having full uh, full transparency on the educator that you are giving your child to may have a dramatically different um, worldview and a walk in yeah. life. And that is not meant as a negative uh, when I say that or as something disparaging. But as a Christian parent, you need to know what the score is because the dinner table conversation is going to be important. Scrutiny on what is being taught is going to be important because again, if Matthew 22 is where we want our kids to land, mm-hmm. it may, somebody may choose homeschooling. Somebody may choose Christian education. Somebody may choose virtual. Somebody may choose a public school system as a Christian parent. We just need to make sure that we're keeping score, keeping the mantle of responsibility and know that for every choice that we make, we're going to have to have a counter uh, choice to make sure that we truly are being to our kids, what the Lord would want us to be. Yeah, I, man, that's, that's so good. It just, even as we think through it, um, cause we, you know, this is, this is something that Joy and I talked about before having kids, but just keep talking about because we, we want to take it seriously. And, um, another, another cool thing that Joy has always said that I've loved thinking about is she's like, well, I don't know that there's a single right answer because there's, you know, there's every child is unique. And so, um, I, I love anticipating learning my kids and, and trying to sort of lean into, lean into sort of discovering, okay, what, you know, 
could they would do do i think that they would thrive in this or that environment or not because uh, i i do think that that also probably will play into it i don't know i mean yeah, I, well, it definitely <laughs> i know your side but, uh, I, yeah. I, I, three and they're uh, uh, and now all adults uh and they are different and um the threshold of where they can thrive does look a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, and, and it really does um However, I will say, while I actually heard James Dobson, who was the founder of Focus on the Family, he said one time, he said the same hot water that boils the egg softens the carrot. So like kids are just different. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I think it's important to really... mm, just make sure we count the cost with our decisions and yeah. we have no greater i'm not trying to freak you out as a new dad or trying, <laughs> but there's no greater responsibility that we ever will have mm-hmm. than the way that we're parenting our kids yeah. and you know my prayer would be always that parents first and foremost would just recognize that not i mean it, it sounds like some people look at me sometimes uh, a little bit crazy eyed because I, much more than being a promoter of Christian education, I'm a promoter of Christian parenting. Mm. That, and that's why I love the series that uh, the church is doing right now. We, recognizing my goal and aim and my prayer for anybody listening here and beyond is that. Uh, I want our families, our Christian parents, to recognize that they don't they do not have a greater responsibility than than to in, continue to introduce Jesus to yeah. their families. You know, the, the scripture comes to mind, what would it profit a profit a a man if they had the whole world and they lose their own soul? And mm-hmm. I know that's a very sober passage. But when you think about all of the stuff that parents, that we as parents do for our kids, and I I was the guy that was uh, tracking my kids everywhere for sports and different <laughs> things. So I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I don't think sure. the answer is for us to like bunker in a hole and, uh, and yeah, yeah. you know, but, but all of those things should be done. And this is the beauty of the Christian life. When Caleb was playing basketball wherever, I was teaching Caleb to do that for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. I was teaching Caleb what that meant to be a Christian athlete. And so we use all of those opportunities uh, to further the message of the kingdom and further the message of Christ under their hearts. And, yeah. and that rolls into, and you can tell I could go on and on and on on this, but it, it rolls <laughs> into content matter too. Yeah. So like if, if Caleb's uh, or Denver or Holly is, are they're going to be engineers and they create the bridge while they're pre- uh, uh, that's going to uh, help a community or they learn to dig a, a, a better way to dig a well, a well or they're entrepreneurs that are successful business people that are providing livelihood for the people under their care what a difference it makes yeah when uh, and so Christian education is about providing those skills 
But what a difference it makes when we've provided these really hard, solid skills that then a son or a daughter then turns into using that as a testimony for Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I'll, I'll throw this to you. And then uh, uh, Christian education, three aims for Christian ed. First one is, and it's the primary aim, that our students would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, at the end of the day, that matters above all things. Then there's the secondary aims, and they are important. They are the, what are the skills? You know, So uh, we say this a lot. We're not a youth group. We, uh, we're not, uh, we're not a student ministries or a children's ministry. We, that's not the ministry that the Lord has given us. Right. Our job is to teach students to be successful for their next. So what skills are we given, uh, giving them what, how should a Christian think uh, by looking at the word, what, how should they think and process life? Those are secondary aims. And then the ultimate aim is that they will use the secondary aims coupled with the primary aim and that they will serve the Lord as a testimony of his goodness and grace. And so that's, that's what Christian education does. Yeah. And the reason I can get so excited about that is because I think you compare what you just described with what I think some people think about when they think of Christian education, which is school plus a Bible class. And in, in that view where it's, it's really, it's, there's no difference except that there's an added subject in that view. It's like the, the only role that sort of Christianity plays is some sort of gaining knowledge or maybe even, you know, we, we might even push it as far as to say like, Hey, we, we want them to know God or to accept Christ and to become a Christian. And so we want to, you know, talk about the Bible with them for a certain period of time. And that's fine, but it's, you're missing such a huge part of the narrative of the scriptures, which is that we weren't created just to, um, you know, respond in faith to Christ and then, you know, get zapped into heaven. But we were created to enjoy, like we're, we're in this life for a reason. And so there's, there's skills that matter and that are important. And we want to be, um, you know, like, I think sometimes we can despise this idea that, you know, we want our children to be functional members of society because we're like, well, that it's, it can't be just that. But I think Christians sometimes can do the same thing when we say, well, we just want our kids to make it to heaven. It's like, okay, well, does, do these have to be like separate things or can we, is there a way to like help people know Jesus in a way that actually transforms their lives now and whatever it is that they're going to aim to be. I love it. Well, and we know even scripture say, and Christ says, I've come that you may have life. Yes. You may have joy. I mean, it's not talking about something that is a far off. I mean, we know that one Mm -hmm. day we will be in the presence of our King, but we are living as active citizens now. Right. Uh, And so, what I would say to all of that is that we have this, and, and I know I sound like a little bit of a broken record when I, I share it, but 
the Lord has given us skills and he's, uh, he's wired us differently so that we can contribute to a flourishing society and that we can be a testimony of him, uh, in, in the world that we live. And, yeah. and so Christian education, so it would be a complete miss. And it's interesting, Clay, like I can say this and if there's people listening in, they can probably attest to this at their, uh, 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 with even raising their own kids, when kids are children like at your age, mm-hmm. one uh, at your kids' ages, one of the things that parents are most interested in is safety. Mm-hmm. You know, it, as kids get older, it's not that we lose the desire for safety, but what starts forming is preparedness. It's mm, like yeah. I love. I love the fact that they're safe. I love the fact that they've got the spiritual teaching going on. Are they going to be prepared to be functional human beings? Right. All of that. And this is what I love about Christian education. Christian education attacks something uh, that is actually hardwired into our brains much more than what we want to admit. And what's hardwired into our brains is a sacred secular divide. Mm. We, you know, you and I are both in vocational ministry, right? So it's, it looks a little bit different for us, but sure. the, it, for 20 years I was a public educator. And so it would be very easy for me in a trap to Monday through Friday from eight to six, I put on my public educator hat and then on Wednesdays I'll go to uh, midweek service on Sundays I'll do or whatever is the church right, right. piece and, uh, and that was offered on Sundays and it's just very easy and sometimes it's even convenient for our thinking to compartmentalize. I'm not even saying that that's like a, an ugly thing like people have the terrible intention but we're just hardwired and thinking in compartments. Yeah. The I think sometimes we when we do that, we rob ourselves of the joy of Christ mm-hmm. because Christ wants to affect the whole, all of us. And here's here's a simple piece. And I'll draw this into education in just a minute. Sure. Christ says you must be born again. That's talking about a whole nother life system yeah. going on. And so he wants us as born again believers to be encountering what somebody would count as the secular. He wants us to be treating that as the sacred mm. Christian education is not about just let's have, and you've alluded to it. Let's have a Bible class add on. Let's have a chapel add on. Those may be some things that uh, as parents, we can understand a little bit because of the compartmental nature of how we process things. But honestly, Christian education is at its best when we're teaching in a math class how that they can use the skills to redeem a problem, how that they can use those skills to have some degree of a platform to honor Christ, and how that they can use those skills just to be functional, you know, that ends up being salt and light to a world that so is looking for right. purpose. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the elimination of the sacred secular divide that we are also uh, accustomed and victim to is one of the things that Christian education really tries 
to do. Mm-hmm. It, it strives to say, hey, all of life is to be surrendered at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, and so how can you take that career that you've been trained to do and use that for the Lord's glory and for the betterment of others? Yeah. And I love how that just I'm, I'm getting ready to teach a class at the church um, at the Lorraine campus starting February 12th, if anyone's interested, but <laughs> it's a class called, um, it's a, one of our foundations classes that's titled exploring our condition and hope. And it's all about what's going on with human beings, what went wrong with Adam, uh, and what goes right in Jesus. Mm, so it's about beautiful anthropology, Hamartiology. Yeah, I mean, all, all these, it's, it's a class on theology essentially, but, and I, I don't get to get into this a whole lot, but like when you look at the creation account and you think about the the things that God is calling humanity into and each individual person into our vocation, right? Our, you know, that's the, the Latin, I, I haven't studied it recently, but the Latin for vocation has to do with calling. It's the same concept. Um, it's, it's so much more than just, uh, you know, even I mean, it's it's even more than just live in relationship with me and enjoy my presence it, as wonderful and as amazing as that is like there's this you know, if you read the account of Genesis one and two, God has this desire like he creates the world and he looks at it and he's like, wow, that's good. And there there's this thing that he enjoys about it. Just, you know, there's a there's a goodness to it. Uh, and then he creates humankind to represent him to that creation, to, to be, to image him. And so there's, you know, and, and, and part of that means living in relationship with him, right? Cause if we want to do that correctly, that it's required to love God. But, um, there's this, there's this disposition toward the rest of creation and toward how we handle ourselves as physical beings. It just, I don't know. I I've been so challenged recently to get a little bit out of my head and into the world and, and like not, not into worldliness, but into interacting with the rest of creation and other people, the way that God wants us to, and, and, and you know, to really grab grapple with, I, I hope I have a long time on this earth and God's will for that time is, is for me, not just to be, you know, just in a closet praying, right? There's more to it than that. (laughs) And, you know, me learning math can, you know, help me help the world to flourish in the way that God intended it to. And there's like, there's all these connecting points that I've, I've just been wrestling with recently, but you know, and that's ultimately what I want my, for my kids. Um, well, and you, you know, what you're getting into is one of the essential, questions of worldview development and Mm -hmm. and like in purpose of living. Sure. And it's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ. He, we, when we accept him as our, our Lord and savior, um, there's a lot of, in the sanctification journey that we go through, there's a lot of whittling that takes place. (laughs) Right. But, um, but the purpose is hardwired in, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and think about the world that we, and then I'll, I'll tie it back into the series and just a minute, but think about the world that we're walking in clay. Mm-hmm. People are starving for purpose. They're starving for meaning. They're, they're trying to figure out their identity, who they are. 
you know, we have the answer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that doesn't mean that as Christians, we don't struggle with those tough questions and challenges and trials. We're not immune to any of that, but we have a purpose, uh, which is to be well-pleasing to our Lord and to love others. And that then becomes and should become the operating system of our life. And and it, it's not like it was even when my parents were growing up where, you know, you would get a job and you would stay in that vocation for 30 years. I mean, the I think the average turn on careers are something like three to five. So if you're trying, if people are trying at years, if you're trying to find your purpose in a career, that's not going to happen. Right. If you're going to, but if you find your purpose in what the Lord has has conditioned us to, to give him glory and also to love others uh, as we are doing that, you know, there's a lot of hope in that. There's a lot. And, and think about Christ's life, you know? And so where we're looking at in Luke two, like he, he grew in wisdom and stature and, and say, well, part of that wisdom was the purpose for which he was, uh, uh, please, uh, and it wasn't easy, you know. I mean, think mm-hmm. about it, uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, where he, he wait, here's this fully mature uh, uh, man, uh, like for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, you know, you know. And so, when you have this purpose, and you've grown in wisdom, and you've recognized your purpose of living, then. Even how that we are able to endure things mm. changes so much. And so when we yeah. think about parenting our kids and parent, if we're parenting them to the end of a lot of temporal hopes or successes, um, we're going to parent ultimately the end product will be a lot of empty human beings Mm -hmm. and candidly clay when we look around in the world and again i'm not trying to be overly dramatic or like you see a lot of empty human beings sure yeah you know as christian parents parenting to something and then and i'll even say this on a greater scale because some people here may not be parents that are listening in Mm -hmm. like as a church right we have this wonderful responsibility that we can uh, shepherd and grow the next generation, support the parents that are in our congregations and show them uh, and, and come around and support them to the greatest purpose and hope that man's ever known, which is a relationship with Christ and a walking with him throughout right. life. Yeah, man, I, I want that like for for my kids and um and i love how you you broaden that out because because ultimately there's there and we've 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 mentioned this multiple times throughout the series but there is that similarity between parenting and discipleship where there's there's a reproductive element to it and there's a passing on element to both parenting and discipleship um and so I, I guess as we as we sort of come round home with our conversation, I, I do want to circle back around and ask, maybe partly for my own benefit, but <laughs> maybe to the benefit of those listening as well. But 
when you see the partnership between Christian education and Christian parenting going really well, what are some common elements there? Like it, it may be a fra- phrase it differently. Like what advice would you have for me as I'm getting ready to yeah. parent, you know, partner with in, in the parenting of my children? So, uh, you know, so, uh, this is, so I ask every teacher when I'm hiring them, I ask them a question. And I'm like, parents, friend or foe. So, and, and mm-hmm. uh, and if they would answer foe, uh, we're not the right fit for them. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, and, but uh, even uh, but there's a reason why I asked that question. It's two sided. So the first, uh, in going to your uh, your original, the reason why I asked that question is that I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for thirty years, and uh, and there is there are absolutely seasons of times where there will be parents that mistakenly in their advocacy for their son or daughter will think that the other authorities in their life are opponents. Mm. And so a great partnering relationship does not look as, uh, at a staff member, a teacher and a parent as opponents to one another, their compliments to one another. We, um, and we we serve as educators we serve the christian family and there and when i say that that means that there's a hierarchy in place the christian family is the authority in that they have licensed us to do what we do Mm -hmm. right and so there has to be a mindset all the time amongst christian educators for a partnership to take place that we serve the Christian family. We serve the parents, the parents. I always say, I say this at an orientation all the time. Parents need to always infer the best of intentions of the teachers. Sure. We're all fallen. We're going to make mistakes. Parents and faculty alike. Christian uh, education, the beauty of it, and what will really make a difference in the lives of our students is when they get to see kind of what I refer to and may even talk a little bit about this on uh, when I'm preaching on Sunday is there's the hidden curriculum. There's the way that we navigate through junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so us navigating through that believing really modeling what first Corinthians 13 says that, Hey, love hopes, all things believes all things. Right. Um, and so believing the best of intentions, I think, I think that that's primary, uh, understanding for when we're talking about what makes a successful partnership. The other thing that makes a successful partnership is good questions. Mm, yeah. You know, so I was not a parent with my three that just, I loved our teachers. I loved our faculty. They have ministered in ways to my kids that I could never minister uh, to them and the teaching of content that I would be absolutely clueless to deliver and in just discussions on life. Right. However, I never divorced my responsibility as a parent. And so being willing to ask hard questions, being willing to uh, just have conversations sometimes that were a little awkward, I think also lent itself to great parenting Christian education relationship. And then, 
and this is going to sound silly when I say this because of what we've been talking about, but it is so easy to do Hmm. uh, because I've been guilty with it. As parents, we want our kids happy. Right. Kids, by nature of who they are, often are in the momentary thrills and that's how they will define happiness. Mm -hmm. And so... It is altogether possible, and I've seen it happen uh, over the years, and I've even been guilty to some degree myself. My kid is unhappy, and I want to go and I want to wrestle around and solve that unhappiness by getting a momentary fix. Sometimes in Christian education and sometimes in parenting it, the momentary fix isn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. So if if my child's heart is not where my child's heart needs to be, um, the momentary fix actually could be leading them down a, uh, down a path that's going to make them unha- uh, increasingly unhappy. Right. Instead of giving just so so knowing knowing that the end game, and this is all of that to say this. The end game of Christian parenting and Christian education is the purpose statement of let's teach our kids how to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and love their neighbor as their self. By nature of sin and the condition that we bring to the table, (laughs) there are going to be seasons in our child's life that they're not exhibiting that. Right. And a loving discipler is going to be willing to call that out. And as a Christian parent, we need to question that. We need to ask about that. A Christian, a Christian faculty member should want to talk to uh, the Christian parent about that, but recognizing it's a partnership to that end is really essential when you think about Christian education, Mm. because if it's, my kid's not getting enough playing time when they're playing basketball. Ask your dad about that one. <laughs> or uh, if, uh, you know, is my kid going to, uh, they didn't get the lead part in the drama or they're not valedictorian. It's like when those things become consuming instead of the main thing, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a strain on the partnership. And so those I'm not saying that those things shouldn't be discussed, but they always should be discussed uh, under under the feet of the most important thing, which is how is this going to develop them into being a Christ follower? Yeah, yeah, man, that's I I love that. I, it's so funny. So you're joking around because my dad coached at the school for a while. Um, and Great it's coach. he he i mean i loved playing playing under him um but it's so funny you know i it's it's not necessarily you know i mean the, it, it within the basketball team you know sports can be such a good microcosm of life and and can be great to teach so many lessons. I know i learned a lot playing sports but um it's one of those things where like you know they they don't necessarily. I mean, to, to some extent, your behavior is taken into account, but it, it it's not. You know, you're. It's not like the best Christians are the starting five. You know, basketball sure. players. So it's. 
but the hope is that and what's interesting here's here's the point i wanted to bring in but I was listening to another podcast recently, and they they mentioned this study called the Reveal Study that Willow Creek did in the early two thousands. I don't know if you no, know not what this. I'm familiar. I I had never heard of it before, and they were they licensed this third party research institution to look at you know of all the they're like okay of all the church programming that we're doing, which Willow Creek is a massive church, and so they do all sorts of programming. And they 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 hired this third party to come in and, and distinguish which programs were working in the sense that they were developing people who were more and more defined by loving God and loving their neighbor. And what they found basically is that none of the programs were contributing directly to that end. Mm. Uh, but one of the things that they did find is that in people who are increasingly defined by love of God and love of neighbor they have a, a, a mentor figure in their life uh, that's usually not one of their parents, but a peer of their parents who, you know, somebody like a coach or a teacher or, or someone like that who has been massively influential on them. Um, and, and I would say that's that's one of the things that I noticed about Christian education in my life and that I hope for my kids is, is it because in the church, sometimes it can be hard to figure out how can I, you know, create or create an opportunity for my child to have these really consistent, really powerful, really you know prolonged experiences with peers of mine who I trust <laughs> so <laughs> that good. they could have develop that kind of a mental relationship with. Um, but like for me, a, a lot of the, some of that came through the church. Some of it came through Christian education. Um and so, yeah, all those extracurriculars and, and the time spent, it, it does, it, it matters, uh, and it mattered to me. And, um, man, I, it's, it's, it's just something that I want to, I want to be intentional about. And I want for our church to be intentional to, to think about as we're thinking about how, how we can raise Christ centered children. I, I so, uh, love that brother. It is so True. I, I say all the time about Christian education and really one of my strong heartbeats on why I did it. I mean, you know my story. 20 years I was a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I would say a lot it, about my youth time as a youth pastor because of the limited amount of time that I was able to spend with my my kids and right. I treasure them. I mean, even as I'm thinking about right now talking, my uh, there's little visual images of all these people <laughs> that the Lord has blessed me to work with as a, a as a youth pastor. But I was doing a whole lot of prevention and triage. I say all the time. <laughs> like I, I would talk to them about if there was some big event coming up at the local school or different things. I would talk to them about what to be on the watch out for. Uh, differently, and then triage was after I taught them that they still did the opposite <laughs> thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. which is just a little uh, holding a mirror up in front. That's my story. Um, mm -hmm. Christian education, if done well offers a mentor that you can do with those things. So for yes. instance, uh, and Clay, I mean, my, my guys were athletes. I know that you were an athlete one and all kidding aside, one of the things that a highly competitive Christian athlete will struggle with is like, how do I love my neighbor when 
I'm trying to dunk over them in a basketball <laughs> game. Or how do I... It, that was a really big problem right, for me, right, personally. Right. Well, right. I, I, right. I'm the opposite, right? Because I remember... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, or, right. or maybe that was Jordan that took it. I, I, it's like, I, but I, I distinctly remember being at a game where one of the right boys got dunked on hard it was not it was not me and so i also was not so doing that's a shout out to jordan i love you buddy <laughs> I, but um I, but here's the deal in other contexts that's you may have a coach telling your son or daughter step on their throat this is the time to put them to rest you know and hey i am a super competitive person but figuring out how the Christian life dovetails into that, which this would be a whole nother podcast. I just did sure. a 45 minute series on uh, uh, with our athletes on what is the purpose of sport in Christian education. Yeah. Unpacking that. Oh, yeah. But how beautiful is that? Like, I mm-hmm. knew that when I wasn't coaching my kid, that Todd Wright was going to teach him to be hyper competitive. He was going to teach, but not at the expense of being a Christ follower. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, um, as we're talking about growing in wisdom and stature, uh, it, that that's just one of the things that we're always striving to do. Like, how can we have people in our lives to just continue to make ourselves and, and in this case, our kids complete whole. Mm, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Denver, thank you so much for just Love sitting it, down with me. And I'm, I'm so thankful to the Lord uh, that we get to work in the same building and <laughs> just for the ministry that, that the school has uh, in this place and, and all the, all the value that it brings. I mean, it just, and by value, I mean like the way that it's able to minister to so many students. Um, and so much work to do, brother, but so thankful for the privilege of doing it. And so, absolutely. Um, well, we'll, we'll sign off here. Uh, but before we do, let me encourage you, uh, give us a follow where, wherever you're finding us, uh, give us a little review, give us a little follow, give us a little share to like other family members or people who you think might find this conversation interesting. And, uh, and, uh, one, like I said last week, if you're listening to the teacher, that's happening at Open Door, you've got questions or you want to be a part of the conversation, that's exactly what this is for. So uh, before we sign off, I want to encourage you, uh, send us your questions. We, we want to we wanna be attentive to you. We want to we wanna talk with you and we want to uh, walk together to take our next step in, in following Christ. So thanks, Denver, again for, for sitting down with me. And, uh, Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Love you, my friend. All righty. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.